The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 275 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? I'm doing well. We had a little all-star break, break from the last podcast. So now we're picking up preparing for the playoffs, I think, right? I mean, it's over halfway through the season. And it's going to be interesting. Hopefully the seeding will matter and we'll get the best playoff teams. And I think it's going to be a fun, competitive playoffs. Maybe more so in the West than the East, but still one of the probably looking at one of the most competitive Western Conference playoffs, I think, in a long time. Yeah, so most teams, I think, like, the most games that have been played is 58. So, obviously, like, we're we're definitely in the home stretch. Um, and this is always interesting because, you know, there's a lot of things to talk about in terms of, like, MVP. But, you know, we, do, we know, and John Hollinger, our buddy at The Athletic, like, always says that most likely a top three seed is going to win the NBA Finals, right? That's happened most of the years in, like, non-lockout seasons. And so, you know, in the... East, I think there is a pretty clear delineation of the top three teams right now. But in the West, you know, you've got, I don't know, you've got four teams within three, two, three teams within three games of first place. The Clippers have, for some reason, played two less games than everybody. But also, you know, could we see Phoenix or New Orleans or Dallas like really make a push because they're not that far back? You know, they're Dallas is only eight games back. That's a lot with 30 to play, but Dallas could make a push for a top three seed. And I think that and, and also, does it matter? Like, yeah, Dallas is like the sixth seed. Are they really scared of going in and playing an extra game somewhere? Do you think, I think uh, do you think as long as they're like, avoiding the play in, you know, I think teams do want to avoid the plan, but I think after that, yeah, it's it not as matter. much importance do you do you just think by the way that like the smart play would just be to go go to bovada sportsbook and just put your money on boston i mean well, if, what are they they're clearly the best team if I mean, porzingis no is healthy and they're if their starters are healthy you know i i really don't fancy anybody's chances against them with the exception of maybe the plucky la clippers because of their size on the wing. And it's only plus 250, which I say only because I agree with you. Like, I think since Durant left the Warriors, this is the clearest, quote unquote, best team in the league. I think they're a higher tier than anyone else. And yeah, I would have said that about any other title team or any other contender. They're five games up on the NBA's best record. They lead the NBA in net. I think, you know, your favorite metric, SRS, really fancies them. But they are, I mean, what is this like, like word of the day calendar? Do, what do you get the fancy from all the time? No, I said your Nancy. favorite metric. Your are you watching favorite. Fancy Nancy, the children's show? Is that a good, is that a good show? Is it one we no, should it's a little or? too fancy. It's a we girl only who really wants watch, right now we watch, oh, Magic School Bus is really popular. I don't know. The new know. version, there's a new Kate McKinnon. Version. So yeah, it's Kate McKinnon's Miss Frizzle. Well, he started on the old version. We got him the books and now he's transitioned over to the new version. So maybe he likes the new, better looking Miss Frizzle than, uh. The old version 
But my, my point is the Celtics have a 10.6 a uh, plus 10.6 net rating, right? And traditionally, like teams that have had double digit net ratings, they are very good bets to get to the finals, right? I think in the past, like the Spurs and the Warriors both had double digit nets in the West when it was the KD Warriors. And so obviously not both of them can't make it. But, you know, I think the Celtics net rating is like one of the better. I, I don't know this off the top of my head, but I, I think they have one of the better net ratings in the last 10 years. No, yeah, I think it's like top seven or top eight. And look, I mean, I think the only argument against them at this point, you know, because they've been healthy. Christoph Persinger has been healthy relatively, right? Is do they fold (laughs) in tough moments? I mean, they do kind of, do they go too iso ball? Does Porzingis have soft eyes? I mean, like, do you trust them in a close game against tougher minded teams? Has any take aged like, both as poorly, but also as like weirdly as the Dan Dockich soft eyes take, because Porzingis has had a very interesting career. And I actually was saying to somebody today, we we were kind of talking about like MVP voting and somebody said like, you know, who's, you know, who do you think would win the MVP? And I, I had mentioned, you know, like Shea, Luca, Jokic, I think we're top three, but you know, everyone's like Tatum's a top five guy. And I was like, I don't actually know if Tatum is like definitely the Celtics best player when he's healthy because of what Porzingis does for them defensively. But he doesn't really play enough games that like he moves the needle as like this superstar guy right but he's well, i think it's really pretty good. clear why boston is has taken a step up because tatum's been this guy for a few years yeah he's actually having a worse season this year slightly worse season this year than last year but he's clearly very good but you're exactly right he's had five years of this type of production yeah i think it's Porzingis. adding porzingis is like that extra like dynamic element and then as much as i hate to say it actually as much as i love to say it like losing marcus smart was good for this team like it just took their offense to another level. But they also replaced Marcus Smart with a better version of Marcus Smart, right? Like I think in theory, Drew Holiday is like what you want Marcus Smart to be. Mm-hmm. Maybe not even, and from a culture perspective, like Holiday is a very good teammate, but he's not like you know that emotional leader, whatever. But yeah, I agree with you. Like they they've clearly they sacrificed a little bit of depth and maybe not even that much to get their starting five. Is I mean, it's scary, awesome. man. Like. Yeah, and uh, they're number one in offense, number three in defense, plus 250. I mean, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe that is a good bet. Yeah, and Oklahoma City is probably really lurking as like a pretty reasonable bet in the Western Conference, maybe to get to the finals. And that that said, I don't know. Plus 1,600 for the title. Plus 1,600 for the title on Bobata. What are they to win the West? Plus 700 to win the West. So... I would guess that's probably third or fourth. Yeah, Denver plus 230. Clippers right on their heels, 250. Oklahoma City, 700. Minnesota, 800. Phoenix, 900. So so Oklahoma City is currently tied for the top seed, right? I think Shea is probably good value for MVP favorite right now. I I don't know that he is on Bobata, but I I think he probably is pretty good value if they were to win the West. Uh, But Oklahoma City's third in offense, I think fifth in defense, right? So... While I do subscribe to the theory that, like, you know, you've got to learn how to win. They've got a lot of young guys. Some of their, you know, their depth is kind of a good thing. And I and I do think, like, maybe a shortened rotation with Denver, who we know kind of turns it off and turns it on. And then the Clippers might even the playing field. I mean, we've got 50, almost 60 games of Oklahoma City being statistically the best team in the West. And so at, at some point, Zan, we've got to kind of start believing in them, right? And if you're telling me you can get them at... I know, don't. Plus, I don't totally believe in them. I actually would do, if I had to bet a Western team, I would bet Dallas uh, and d- at longer odds. They are um, you would Western bet Dallas? Conference. 
Dallas, 12 to 1 to win the West. I don't know if I'd bet that, but I, I just think there's I don't know. They have the highest upside. I mean, like, I just think Luca. I'd have to think long and hard about whether or not I'd vote for him for MVP. Honestly, like we always thought he'd have one season where he just shot better from three and like his stats would just be like through to the moon and he's shooting 38% from three. He's averaging 34, nine and 10. I mean, like I don't recall anyone else ever doing that. Um, It's funny. So we have this discussion of actually, I'm kind of glad you brought this up because we had this discussion about Luca and you kind of made a comment. I've always said that like Luca is kind of like, bigger Harden, right like that's kind of how he yeah, plays sure you i don't know if you were joking i think you were trolling me a little bit but you were like are you ready to have the conversation that like luca is better than young lebron and so i sent you a screenshot of luca's offensive numbers per 100 possessions versus lebron's and luca's stats are bigger however if you use all like the nerd stats you know like your vorp your block box plus minus your per all that stuff it's much lower than lebron's because LeBron was doing it in like a different era, but what Luca is currently doing, like it's hard to argue against Jokic as the best player in the NBA. And given what Embiid did in the 30 ish games that he played, like it's hard to probably put Luca ahead of him as well. But like, I mean, I think Luca is like pretty clearly the best offensive player in the NBA right now. Well, we'll consider this you're Shea, your guy, you touted for MVP. Luca is averaging three more points a game, 34 to 31. He's averaging three more rebounds a game and he's averaging three more assists a game. Okay. So you could say Shea has a better team, better record. Maybe he deserves MVP. I have a hard time voting for somebody for MVP if they're like out, you know, gunned in pretty much every category. I mean Shea's a little more efficient inside. Can I ask you a question though? Like do we yeah. does Oklahoma City really have a better team? It's a great question. Because yeah, you wouldn't you you think that Luca has pieces now. Like it's hard to say that he's like totally undermanned. You have a legitimate like all star in Kyrie Irving. You have Tim Hardaway is one of the favorites to win sixth man, and then now they have some big guys too. You know, PJ Washington, you know, uh, Gafford. They they have a pretty decent team now, but that's why I'm saying they might win the title because I think they have a good enough team. They definitely have gotten better, I think, since the All Star break. But also, I will say this: like Luca's second in the league in minutes per game. Right? I, I think he's playing. I'd have to look. He's playing about three more minutes per game than Shea, which I don't think like translates roughly to, you know, like you said, three more points, three more rebounds, three more assists. But also, you know, my assumption is that both have extremely high usage rates, right? So Shea's usage rate is 33%, but I'm guessing Lucas is quite a bit higher than that without actually looking it up right now. Because well, are you arguing for Chet for MVP? The defense with Chet has gone from 14th last year to fifth this year. It's pretty much the only difference on the roster, right? It's not the only difference. I mean, Jalen Williams is really good. But he was on the team last year. And he's shooting. He's taken a big step forward. Cason Wallace, quite a good player. I mean, that's that's why I actually have a problem with the Schaefer MVP is because like Jalen Williams, I mean, averaging 19 a game, his shooting is 54% from the field, 45% from three, 80% from the free throw line. Somebody said as a team, like they have like seven guys shooting 30, 40% from three. The only guy holding the back is Josh Giddy offensive. And he's only shooting 33%, which really isn't that bad. But that's, that's my point here, right? Like before the season, if we said, all right, who's better, Dallas or Oklahoma City? Yeah, I think we all had Dallas higher. Right? I don't think anybody, I don't, I, we could pick a hundred people. I don't really think anybody's picking Oklahoma City is better than Dallas preseason. So saying that they're better now, like even, so, so let's say you think 
Luca and Shay is a wash, right? And I don't even know that it is. Like, I, I probably would rather. I mean, Luca and Shay are the same age, right? Like, yeah, that's I, 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 closer to a tie than not, right? right? So that's fine. Would you say Kyrie is better or worse than Jalen than uh, Jalen Williams? Williams? Oof, that's actually a tough one to be honest. But in the playoffs, I'll go Kyrie just because we've seen him. Okay, you know, get hit those big shots. But and I think Chet, it's really close. And, and that's even to say, like, is Chet their second best player or their third best player? Right. Mm-hmm. So. Like when you look, would you rather have Chet than Tim Hardaway? And, you know, you're obviously a big, yeah. I'm not even saying Tim Hardaway is their third best player. I'm just saying like, as you go down their team, right? PJ, uh, Tim Hardaway is their third leading scorer. Chet's the third leading scorer in Oklahoma City. I would rather have Chet than Tim Hardaway. I mean, Hardaway. I don't think that's close. I mean, I think Oklahoma City has three guys who are probably top 30 players. Probably so. Probably so. And then, but D- Dallas, I, you know, I would, I would agree with you that I think Dallas depth is better, right? Like, I'd probably rather have Josh Green. I do really like Derek Lively. PJ Washington, I think, is, you know, a guy that would be a rotational player on Oklahoma City. But, you know, they've done a really good job of like, you know, Lou Dort, who is not my favorite guy. Like he serves quite a purpose for them as like their fifth option. And, and he's shooting 40%. Defender. Another guy shooting 40% for three. And Chase, by the way, Casey Wallace, like, that's a guy that well, was, that's a, what was, I was gonna a say. rookie I, this year. And he's like a big contributor for them off the bench. That's a huge player development win to me. Absolutely. But also a good pick. And here's the question for you. Like, first of all, how good is Chet? I do think he's a top 30 player. Just a couple of stats to back that up. Shooting 40% from three as a rookie. He's averaging more assists and more blocks, 2.7, than he is fouls. 2.x. Yeah. Odd stat to figure out. I'm just saying. But, it but I'm just saying, like, he, he's timing is really good. And then I, here's he's what a good, I agree He's with. a really good defender. He's a really, his feel for the game is very good. But Cason Wallace, who is playing well as a rookie, like, and you say Josh Giddy, maybe it's just, you know, the upside's limited here. It's you don't really, like, you're, on. you're the only one that really has a big problem with Giddy. Like, you find, you sort of think they can't win with Giddy as, like, well, I a agree. Major like, contributor. that's what I was saying about Marcus Smart in Boston. What happened there? Um, they did make the finals with Marcus Smart. I, I don't, don't think I sort of think, well, you know, he's a, he, I think he limited them. And I, in some ways, I think they traded for Gordon Hayward with this in mind. But if, I'm telling you, maybe it's not this year, maybe it's next year. But if they say, look, Casey Wallace is just a little bit better than Josh Giddy, I think their upside jumps from there. I think it is like this sort of, you know, going from Marcus Smart to Derek White kind of thing, where it's just like it takes him a couple level, a little half a level up, and that half a level may mean the difference between a title or not. Do you think, but you can't just, so, okay. This is this is an interesting like development, I think, in team building, right? Because you don't get to just replace what Josh Giddy brings with Casey Wallace, right? Because Josh Giddy's kind of like a bigger point guard. Like he, right. he, no, is, I, he has a role. He has a youth. I mean, he's averaging what, 11, 6, and 4 in 25 minutes a game? He's already, I mean, his minutes are, you know, Casey Wallace is playing 20 and a half minutes a game. So Josh Giddy's not playing an exceptional amount more. The interesting part to me is, you know, OKC has done a really good job in terms of, First of all, Gordon Hayward, by the way, has played four games, averaging 15 minutes a game. Not exactly a contributor at the moment. So I don't know if we're going to like hold our breath that Gordon Hayward's going to like swing a title race. Yeah, he hasn't. And PJ Washington hasn't been great for that. He's been okay. Yeah, he had one very good game to like start. Daniel Gafford's been pretty good, actually, which is the, the other part of this. But I think, you know, like Oklahoma City has a bunch of guys that have played like 30 to 40 games and are averaging like 14 to 15 minutes. Like their second unit. You know, Aaron Wiggins, he was a player at Maryland. He was good at Maryland, but not really a draft, you know, not a guy in the draft that people loved. Kenrick Williams, a guy, you know, he's been at TCU, he's been in the league for a while, but he provides really good minutes for them. Isaiah Joe, you know, was at Arkansas, kind of around the league for a little bit because, you know, he can really shoot and shoot with a lot of volume, but 
now he's figured out this role where he just comes off the bench and just lets it fly, sort of like you know Morrill does, for, Sam Merrill does for Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And it's like Oklahoma City has done a very good job of like building a team that has this level of depth. But is their starting lineup with Giddy good enough when you're in the I, game? I don't know. This you, year, that, that, that's kind know. of your argument, right? So my yeah, argument yeah. is that they need to improve. It's not just switch Case and Wallace with Josh Giddy. If that's your argument, it's like you need to find a better version of Josh Giddy, which is what Boston ultimately did. With Marcus Smart. Drew Holiday's just better version of Marcus Smart, although he's older. Well, this is the fear if you're Oklahoma City, let's say. Because you're shooting like lights out. We just talked about it. They have like seven. Yeah, you, go, you, you, have, you do the anti-Miami heat where instead of yeah. shooting, you just all of a sudden you have a series where you just go really cold. But also, if you're uh, shooting well and your defense is good, usually you're, you're going to win the rebounding battle, right? Because defensive rebounds are easier to get. Yeah. They are getting out rebounded by about three and a half rebounds a game. Yeah, but and also, you might say that's not a big deal, but I think it might be actually. Offensive rebound wise, about three a game as well. I was going to say so that's they're, three they're extra quite, possessions. They're quite bad in offensive rebound rate, like twenty eight percent in offensive rebound rate. Now, no, now I will say Mark Dynagol probably is not a let's crash the boards type of guy with the team that they have, because one, you do want Chet back protecting the rim in transition. You know, you are a little bit smaller. Jalen Williams is kind of the same way. The other Jalen Williams is kind of like a shot block or charge taker type of guy as well. So my guess is it's not emphasized. So I'm not going to put a ton of pressure on that, but I do think. Well, you know what I think they need? They aren't aren't equipped, I don't think, to win in the playoffs. Right. Like some other teams, you know, like Denver or the Clippers. Not to say they're not better, but. Well, yeah, I I think that, you know, half court, they could get out muscled inside. And, you know, Bill Simmons has made a long point. He really was getting on their case to acquire like a big true center you don't want to and i don't think they need though. that yeah I, I like their lineup but i think they they could use a guy like that off the bench you know just like yeah. to have like an extra big body because like i don't steven, know like steven adams can come in right or something like, for like t- 15 20 minutes in case you need it like because right now jalen williams the other jalen williams is their backup center he's six nine he's not great as a but he can blocker. make a three. That's another thing, right? Like this is. But this I want a the, big dude. I want like an Andre Drummond or somebody like that. No, just you do not want Andre. You don't want Andre for Drummond. fifteen minutes a game anyway. Or somebody. No, you know. Like you know who they want. You know who honestly who makes a lot of sense for them. And obviously he's not an available guy. But like, you two of your favorite prospects, two prospects you really fancied, or players you really fancy in the NBA. <laughs> yeah. Like you love Zubac, and like you also really yes. liked Isaiah Hartenstein, and those two guys as backup picks oh. on this team would make a ton no, of sense. Huge. No, huge. I mean, Hartenstein. As, they're not available, right? No, I'm not. I'm but just as saying, a backup, Hartenstein. If he was on this team right now, I would think they're entitled contender. Because well, of a is backup there a, big? Because of a backup big, is there another guy like that available? I don't know. Well, not like the trade deadline's over. And you're no, no, I like, know. But like yeah. that level, who's the new Isaiah? Isaiah <laughs> who's the next Isaiah? I mean, that was the guy that Willie Hernan like, hey, Gomez. I doubt that. Maybe, maybe Bo Cruz. Is Bo Cruz. We got to go find <laughs> Bo Cruz. But, but this is like, and so that's what I'll say. I do like one of the things that Oklahoma City is doing is I do think as they build their team, you have to be skilled in a lot of different ways, right? So, you know, they have Chet, who's a very unique player, not very unique. He's unique in his own right. You know, he's kind of like Miles Turner, but he's better at the rim. He's probably a better shooter, you know. And so I think that, like, they have Jalen Williams because they they want their offense to run similarly when mm-hmm. Chet is out of the game. Because that's, like, the hardest thing to do is that's when true. you build your specific skill set around certain guys. Like, Oklahoma City almost has to do, like, what Denver does, right? Where 
they just try to outscore people as much as possible with their starting five in the game. And then when they go out, they're like, all right, we got to hold on. Yeah, if and you have five shooters out there, or even like five threats, everyone's quick. Chet's like an X factor. Yeah, I mean they're they're a nightmare to play, probably. I mean they were shooting forty percent from three as a team. That is an well, how about this exceptional number. To my earlier point about competitiveness in the West, so let's say Oklahoma City is the one seed, and Dallas is the eight seed. This is all very possible. I think that's close to an even series or at least closer to an even series than any other one i would be eight. really excited to watch oklahoma yeah. city against dallas i'd be very excited to watch minnesota against dallas I'd be I, very, and i I'd think i'd be very excited would, to watch for, dallas against anybody here are the series that i think wouldn't be exciting you ready for this uh, yeah denver against sacramento yeah sacramento's kind of just limited upside i guess like, i don't know the clippers against New Orleans. They've crushed New Orleans this year when they played them. Like, all the yeah. time. It's just a bad matchup, in my opinion. But, like, most of them, like, you know, I actually think Golden State, although I don't consider them to be a title contender, they've played a lot better lately. Like, I'm not, I don't want to count out Golden State, right? And all these well, teams, I'll, like, I'll give you another one that's actually more controversial. I think a team like Oklahoma City or a team like Denver or whatever, like, I think they would just crush the Lakers. I yeah, think the, the Lakers, Lakers are too ragged. They're just, like, not that good. It's It's yeah. fine. Like, I don't... Honestly, we could go the rest of the year without talking about the Lakers on this podcast, and I think we'd be better for it. Like, it's not so much that, like, they're not interesting, but, like, they're not interesting in the sense that, like, nothing has changed. They're still not Mm. very good. They're still extremely overvalued on Bovada. Like, LeBron and Anthony Davis are awesome. If they have a great playoff series and their role players play well, they can certainly win some games. But the iteration of the Lakers that we see on a nightly basis, they're 10th in the West right now. That, that seems about right, right? Like, uh, maybe they're not yeah. that much worse than Sacramento or that much worse than Dallas, maybe not that much worse than New Orleans, but, like, those teams are more consistent. They're built better. Like, their margin for error is a little bit higher. I, I what do you think, think about... The Lakers are the 10th best team in the, in the West. What do you think about the first... And, and not much upside, unless you... And like you said, like, they just get really hot shooting, like it's, which it's, can happen, but... It's possible, like I said, you get another... You know, like, last year, right? Rui was amazing in the playoffs, and he's you know, clearly not really been that guy. And then I think Lonnie Walker was really good in the playoffs, right? So if you get that, like Reeves plays well, Rui plays well, like you get Gabe Vincent back, he shoots it really well. And then LeBron and Anthony Davis are like peak of their power. Sure. You know, that's the way the NBA works. Do you think, do you think the Suns are frisky enough to win? Because Royce O'Neal has been helpful. How about this? I would tell you that I think the Suns are like the biggest wild card in the NBA. Yeah, because everyone's I, talking about the Clippers being the the sort of Nuggets killer, and I'm wondering if Golden State is similar enough to the Clippers. Well, I worry a little bit from for, okay, so from the Suns' perspective, right? The Suns are are fine. They've played a lot of minutes like without the three best, you know, without Beal, Durant, and Devin Booker, but they've been really good when those three teams when those three guys play. You know, they also have gotten pretty okay production from Eric Gordon, pretty okay production from Nurkic. Although, you know, you're the only person that still believes that, like, Nurkic is, like, the Jokic stopper. We already even debunked that on this podcast. But, like, they've gotten good minutes from Koji, from Royce O'Neal is going to play, you know, for them and and play a lot of minutes. Like, I, I do think they're pretty good. I worry a little bit about what their offense will look like down the stretch if the game is not close, right? Because they're not a team, I don't think that it's, like, super equipped to come back if they can't get stops 
But I mean, at the end of the day, in a close game down the stretch, you've got Booker and Durant. You can't feel that bad, right? Yeah. And, you know, he has this, you can go small without being undersized, right? I wonder if you could play Durant at, you know, against Oklahoma City. Like, let's go Durant at center and just freaking let's try to outshoot him. I mean, the other thing is, like, they really, they really get to the foul line, too, which is something that you don't know if, like, that's going to happen as much in the playoffs. But, like, we've always kind of criticized Durant, where, like, he could just score whenever he wanted. He could shoot a better, like, Booker, big mid-range guy. But, like, this team does get to the foul line. Like, they have the floor spaced enough where they can generate offense when they're not making shots. And, like, that's a big deal to me. And they never turn the ball over. Like, they just you don't expect them to, like, play sloppy because the only three guys really touch the ball a ton. Well, so like, I, I, I'll tell you what, like all we're talking about the West. This is going to solidify my point. This is my hot take. They still don't shoot. The enough, they don't shoot enough threes, by the way. That's the same deal as always with the Durant team. Great. Two okay. Point shooting do you want my hot take of, of the day? This yeah. Can you be. tell me real quick what Phoenix's odds to win the title are on Because yeah, sure. Maybe I've talked myself into yeah, I'm talking to myself and all these teams. <laughs> Play, uh, nine to one to win the West. And then to win it all would be 16 to one. That seems fair, to be honest. I don't know if it's. They have worse odds. They have better odds to win the title than than Oklahoma City. Uh, sixteen to one, dead even. Sixteen that to seems, one, six. That seems insane. I don't know. That's a lot of respect for Durant, which I think is probably reasonable. But you're, we're talking about how you know can Oklahoma City win the title? Could Clippers obviously can? Can Phoenix? Can Dallas even? This is my bold statement. After watching a little uh, deep dive on Denver this week. I do not think Denver is going to win the title again. Yeah, I, th- I mean, you you said, well, I, you, you think said that's not I a hot take. take? You said, and I quote, "I would take the field against Denver. I'll take I would the field, take the in field the against any one specific team. Maybe you, I, I could flip a coin on Boston because I think Boston's that good. But like, yeah. and again, general, if, if this you think the field versus Boston's close, Boston plus two fifty again, maybe that's what I'm saying. But, that, that's exactly right. Like you're supposed yeah. to take Boston forty percent of the time or whatever. Like, yeah. but this isn't the KD Warriors, right? Like, no, no, I know. But Denver I think people is, are just kind of good, penciling but... in Boston and Denver, and Denver's clearly the next best team. But I mean, I don't know that I you think, think, think clearly the next best team. This is what scares me about Denver. Two things. Like, Aaron Gordon played well, certainly at times last year in the playoffs, and he yeah, shot he well. I, I just can see that being a liability again. And then I just don't think their depth is so, good. Yeah, and losing Bruce like, Brown, I think, is a big deal. That matters for sure. It's kind of interesting, right? Because Denver sort of gets, you know, last year, end of the year, they were clearly going to be the one seed, and they kind of just like turned it off for 25 games, right? Yeah. And it ended up mattering. You know, Jokic was very fresh for the playoffs. Like, you know, they also did get a, a friendly run to the playoffs, but again, they just dominated the teams that they played, so it didn't really matter. Um, but they do kind of get a little bit of, I would say they get more runway when they kind of go through a rough patch than other teams do, right? You know, like we're just for example, you've been enjoying the Bucks losing games with Doc Rivers. Now they've won three straight. You know, you play Charlotte every night, you might win a lot of games. But, you know, when we see the Bucks lose two or three in a row, it's always like, oh man, what's wrong with the Bucks? If we see Denver lose two or three in a row, it's like, ah, Denver's resting. They're in first year. Like, right. And so I, I don't think, know. That I think they're getting too much of the benefit of the doubt because I, I think some of the problems, look, and just watching Jokic, like obviously he's a great player, MVP, whatever. Like, I don't know, man. Like, you know, Giannis had that label where it's like Giannis can't win in the playoffs and then he wins and then that kind of goes away. 
but some a lot of the same issues that were before the title have popped up after. Well, I mean, he had like a back injury last year. Like, I'm not ready to like say Giannis can't win in the playoffs because he obviously won in the playoffs. Right. That's so. what I'm saying. But like, same with Jokic. Like, I think some of the p- criticism of him before the title might pop up again because I'm just like watching him guard in the perimeter and he and he's just struggling. He's like racing back and forth. And I think like a team that like Boston that can legitimately stretch one through five. I think that's a tough matchup for this scene. And, yeah. and, de- and depth doesn't matters less in the playoffs, right? We all think that, but they're talking about, you know, your seventh, eighth, ninth guy. Like you need a sixth guy. I don't think they have that. You don't believe in Reggie Jackson. I don't believe in Reggie Jackson. You Peyton, know, Peyton, Watson might, Peyton Watson might end up being a guy in the playoffs that like, People are like, Do man, this guy's actually him. pretty good because he can cut, he can defend. He's not really a jump shooter, but he's okay. Like, do you uh, trust Christian Brown yet? He's had moments, but still, I'm not I don't totally really, I don't really trust Christian Brown. The thing, here's the thing, and, and I'm, I don't want to steal this take, but I, I very much enjoy listening to Kevin Garnett pontificate about basketball, but he and Paul Pierce are talking or whatever. And their point is a very simple one that I think is very good. If Aaron Gordon plays well, you can't mm-hmm. really beat the Nuggets. That's basically yeah. it. And so That's fair. what is your plan to stop Aaron Gordon because they need that production from him? And and again, I don't think it's fair. You know, we know Jamal Murray has shin splints. Like we know that he's again, they're trying to manage that. He's been sitting out and playoff Jamal Murray, just like playoff Jimmy Butler, does seem to be a real thing. As much as I don't like stuff like that, it does seem like he goes up a notch in the playoffs, so maybe he is in cruise control. But, you know, Jamal Murray this year, he's averaging 20 points a game, like he's shooting it well from three, but like we're not seeing Jamal Murray, you know, that 26 and 10 guy. Are we just, are we so sure that he's going to get there? Because you're right, they need more production, but where is it coming from? And that well, and thing. yeah, Jamal Murray is good for what he is, but like, is he much different than Kyrie Irving? Like, who is there? Is yeah, there actually any different? You would? Kyrie. I don't know. I think they're similar. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Kyrie's really good. Like, I, I mean, like we let our own personal opinions of Kyrie cloud who he is as a basketball player, and also his availability is always an issue. So, like, you know, we're not so in on Kyrie Irving, but like Jamal Murray's never really available, and he happened to play a full playoffs last year, and he was amazing, and that was a huge reason why the Nuggets won. I mean, well, I, I think, think in the, the finals, you know, Jokic was obviously MVP, but mm-hmm. I do think in the finals, like there was a legitimate question for, you know, those four or five games. I can't remember if it was four or five at this point, but if Jamal Murray was their best player in the finals, remember we talked about this, like would it yeah, be smart sure. to bet on Jamal Murray for MVP? Cause he played so well. And Aaron Gordon played really well. Some series, but going back to Aaron Gordon point, like I think a lot of times you'll watch like teams. I don't want to say underestimate Aaron Gordon, but just like get caught you know, with not enough to guard Aaron Gordon, like yeah, it gets the like, fourth or fifth like, guy on him. And then he it like was like game them. one against the heat where all of a sudden it's like, what are you guys doing? And Aaron Gordon just has like a million dunks. They're like fronting yeah. him in the post <laughs> and yoga. He's going to find like, him every you, single if time. You're guarding him with like your fifth best guy or fourth best guy. He's going to make you pay. But team like Oklahoma city, don't they have enough bodies to guard Aaron Gordon? Well, like, who, who guards Aaron Gordon door? Yeah. Dort's big enough. I think. Aaron I mean, Gordon's, can't even Jalen Williams is getting bigger every day it looks like he's listed you, as 195 i really like to see that scale can you tell me what you think aaron gordon's measurements are without looking uh without looking i'd say he's six nine two thirty. i don't know okay so he's listed at six eight two thirty five i bet you he's more than 235 yeah, i don't know that bigger. he's more than six eight but he looks he looks notably bigger than orlando aaron gordon yeah he's so big and strong and again this is not a knock on aaron gordon like i 
you know, he's a very good player in my opinion. And I think he was a perfect fit for what Denver wants to do. But ultimately it's like, you can't let him crush you on the offensive glass and you can't let him get a ton of shots at the rim. You know, like if he's going to beat you making threes, I think you just kind of tip your cap rather than but, like, but how is Jalen Williams, Oklahoma city Jalen listed at one ninety five? There's no way he's a 195. Which Jalen Williams are we talking about? The guard. You know, the wing. One, the he's a big wing. dude. He's a really he's big really dude. He's really big. He looks you know, like now, thick. I'm very curious about if his... So his brother, Cody Williams, right? Plays yeah. at Colorado. He's an NBA draft prospect. Like, I think right now, like a pretty consensus top five pick. Mm-hmm. Do you think that... Like, you have to think about Jalen Williams' physical trajectory, right? And be like, hey, right. man, if he projects this way, like... And Cody Williams is already a little bit more skilled at the same age. Like, don't you want to bet on Cody Williams? Because genetically, you'd assume that he would be able to fill out the same way Jalen Williams has. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. That's another discussion. But I actually go the other way where I think he's getting kind of overrated for that reason. Do you think he's you think he's overrated because of his brother's success? Interesting. I'm not a huge fan of his either, to be honest. Like, I just like I just don't see it. Yeah, like I he's shooting. We're talking about the draft, Cody Williams. He's big. He's tall, you know. And yeah, he's he's, like, he's he taller thinner, than his, he's taller than his brother. But he's shooting forty six percent from three, and everyone's like, "Oh, he's literally." I saw one thing where it's like, Cody Williams has been tearing up college. Meanwhile, he's averaging thirteen points a game, and he's shooting less than two threes a game. Speaking so of, so it's like, did you? I don't know. He's not dominating. He's just sort of like playing. No, he's, a, tool, he's a toolsy big wing who can make it three, and you know that guy. He's long. You know, he's athletic. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't see him as a top three guy. Did you see? Uh, did you see the meme that was like? should Bronny James stay another year in college? And, and somebody responded like he should stay three more years and get his degree for whatever job. Oh, he wants wow. to do. That's harsh. It's not, it's not very nice. And you also saw, I'm sure you saw LeBron like criticize. Uh, right. It would for, be more fun to like make fun of Bronny with, if not the heart thing, you know, oh, it's like, yeah. And I don't really think, you know, like I said, it, I don't really think it's fun to make fun of Bronny anyway, since like, he doesn't seem like, there's not really a lot about Bronny to make fun of. It's just like, oh, yeah, your dad's super rich and maybe the best basketball player of all time. Like, ah, we hate you. It's more fun to make fun of Jonathan Gavoni for, like, having him in a lotto pre-heart condition. Right. And then being I think, like, I've I think him out of my drafts forever because of the heart condition and being able to use that for, like... Right. Because, I mean, know. like, I don't know how serious the heart condition was, but, like... I mean, serious enough. People used to make fun of Austin Rivers for not being that good in college. Like, he was a lot better than he, Bronny's been. I mean, Austin Rivers was really good. Like, he was a really good player. Do you want to talk about this J.J. Redick thing, by the way? I'm, I'm curious. What did he say? Just because of the Austin Rivers... Oh, Doc Rivers stuff? Yeah. Doc Rivers is really... Is the hate gone too far? Are you ready I don't, to... I mean, I don't... It was funny, you know, like... um so I'm not under any sort of like opt like illusion that Doc Rivers is going to be like on Bovada as like a favorite to win coach of the year or anything. But so JJ Redick like goes on first take, right? This is an older story, but I'm just curious as to your opinion. So yeah. he goes on first take and he's, you know, Doc's talking about how hard it is to like coach a team in the middle of the year. They're like in the middle of like a, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're losing. And JJ Redick's like, we get it, Doc. Like it's hard. Like, but how is this always what Doc does? Like he, there's never any accountability, right? Like he's always blaming other people. And he is kind of like terse with the media. I think that oftentimes he treats the media like they're stupid. So Austin Rivers, who I think is on ESPN or NBA TV now, like I, you know, he, he's got some. He's on the ringer too, I think. Yeah. I don't know. And, and it seems like he says some interesting things, but he said, you know, like, JJ, like he's gotten fired by like a lot of teams. Like, isn't that being held accountable for like your performance? So like, well, I I disagree with that. I agree. No, no, with JJ. That, that, and that's what I kind of wanted to get into is like, 
do you think it's all it, Doc Rivers needs to stand up all the time for a guy who's coached as many years as he has with as many wins as he has? And, you know, he has some clear flaws, but like, does he need to keep saying I'm doing a bad job? Is that something he needs to say? Yes. And I'll tell you, you think why. so. Yes. And you think, do you think it hurts him with players? Because so Austin, Rivers, well, I'm not saying I do a bad job, but this, you know, a writer told me this a long time ago and it's, it wasn't his quote, but it's a good quote. Um, it's a very successful writer. And he was talking about going from being a writer to a director and being like sort of the leader of men, you know, yep. like, how do you do that? And, you know, keep responsibility and accountability and, and still be likable and, and everything like that. And he said, and again, it's not his quote, but it's a famous quote saying like, take the, always take the blame and never take the credit. You know, I mean, give the credit like a, to other people. And so that's a very common coaching trope, right? right? Is that when you win, it's the players. When you lose, it's on you. But can I ask you a question? Yeah. So you're, you're I wouldn't say you're anti-Doc Rivers, but I think you enjoy. Sure. Yeah. I mean, more anti than pro. Sure. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think you're a big like Doc Rivers believer. And I, I would say like I'm kind of in the middle on it. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. But like. He has, as he's gotten older, certainly gone down that road of like now i'm an older guy and like i can kind of say get away with more stuff like i'm more established right but it was interesting like austin rivers kind of said that and and kendrick perkins i think said this too and i don't really give a lot of credence to what kendrick perkins said but he's like you know this sounds real personal from jj reddick and so jj goes on this podcast and he's like of course it's personal i played for him right so do you think that players are now more like so doc obviously thinks his credibility speaks for itself but do you think that it does not like, do you think that like Giannis and Dame are like, man, this guy's out here being like, oh, this is really hard for me. Like, but what about us? Do you think it matters to players that good? I do. Well, look, I mean, I don't want to blame him for killing Ben Simmons, but career, but it didn't I mean, help. He could have, that could have been handled differently by him for sure. And he did. But also I disagree with the premise that if JJ saying you need to take accountability and, and Austin says, well, he did get fired. That's not him taking accountability. That's just sort but of oh, that's you having it. That's sort of having consequences. Well, that's what but, I'm saying. Like, doesn't that? Do, I mean, no, that, that doesn't. Because right. how many times do you hear somebody go out into the world, throw a rock, and you'll find somebody being like, "Oh, I didn't get a promotion. Why was it your fault? No, oh, my boss hates me. My boss is a jerk. Or oh, this coworker snaked me. Or this person broke up with me because they're terrible. That's fair. Hardly anyone takes responsibility for their actions. Um. And they always blame other people. And I do think Doc is more in that boat. Or at least yeah, his public that. statements. Do you, you know? think it's reasonable for a former player like JJ to who played for Doc Rivers to go out? What else is he supposed to do? He I think I actually think Doc JJ is like too soft on people because he sort of does like the Russillo. He does let's make fun of the how dumb the media is. He does it's do, like an he easy does, lane to do. He does do that. And this is we're not a media podcast by any means. Right. But he he does do that. Like, I don't want to be on first take. Like, I'm not gonna do this. And it's like, but you do like being on first take. Like you like getting yeah. viral. It's easier like, to be the smartest guy in a room of dummies if you, you know everyone else is doing dumb hot takes. Yeah. Literally, yeah. like there, there's a clip of Shaq, who's been a player for a long time, being paid well by TNT to cover basketball for a long time. And they were asking, name two players on the Nets, and he couldn't do it. Yeah. Two. He could, yeah. Why, why would he need to know the Nets? That's not his business. He'll know the Nets. Well, I mean, don't you just accidentally know that? You know? I mean, but that's, that's what I've said. Like, there are guys, you know, I, my consumption of like the national media, I think is, you know, I, I don't, 
I don't think that people consume media like I do, but like true, truly like one of the reasons I enjoy, you know, Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce are interesting guys to listen to because like Paul Pierce clearly doesn't watch any basketball, but Kevin Garnett like clearly does watch basketball and it like matters to him. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting to like hear him talk about that. And JJ Redick obviously watches a ton of basketball, right? He's, you know, probably less now that he's got so many media things to do, but you know, it's, it's just different, right? Like a lot of people would rather just tune into Charles Barkley because they know he consumed the NBA like they do on Thursday nights and that's it. Right. Yeah. I guess you're right. I, I just mean, think that the criticism of doc as not taking responsibility is an easy thing to say rather than being like, what is he supposed to say? Because the, other well, the quote, is, the quote that did bother me and a lot of people was the one about firing Adrian Griffin, where he said, like, I told the owners it's a bad idea, yeah, but oh, but like they did it anyway. And it's like, I don't, come on, Doc. I don't, I don't stretch his credibility. I mean, I have stuff. no idea what yeah, we don't know. But the other thing I will say is, I bet you, you know, one of the things that I think is a problem, and this is why the JJ comments were so interesting to me. I do think players and coaches tend to want to keep things in house, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's easy for Doc to just give these like blanket canned statements and then you know, behind the scenes, perhaps he's addressing things differently. And so my thought process is like, does JJ know that he also does not take any ownership, like when he's on the practice court or in games when he makes mistakes? Like, because I have heard coaches, you know, for people I've worked for in the locker room, be like, man, I did a terrible job tonight. I'm sorry, guys. Like we got to, uh, we'll be better. Like I'll be better. And then they go to post game and they don't say that. Like, so, so yeah, that and also, was kind of like, I was curious about, like, well, you know what? And I don't even care that much about the media. I do think players care if the coach is throwing them under the bus, certainly. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's, you, it's more like action. Pati- if you pull a Rick Patino, it's a little bit different. Like, when but you I go think out it's and you more, talk more about action all than, than talk, where it's like, have you learned from your mistakes in action? And I, yeah, I haven't yeah. really seen that from Doc yet. I don't disagree with that. That is one thing that I think is a very fair criticism of him is there's been a lot of situations where it's like, hey, Doc, you're making the same mistakes that you've made yeah. for 10 years. Yeah. So, like, you can't always change who people are. But, you know, I do think we talk a lot about Andy Reid. And, I, you know, I think Andy Reid is probably one of the best coaches in any sport, obviously. But he had a huge time management issue. And he certainly still, that rears his head sometimes. But he also has you know, he's fixed it in a lot of ways where like he has some other people he relies on. Like, you know, and I think that Doc. Yeah, that's a great point. That was like the number one criticism and it hasn't come up in the last It, it happens. Years. He also wins more yeah. now. So like mm-hmm. he still does it, right? There are still times where you're like, man, why are they wasting a time out here? But, you know, the other one that I, I, the one I, that I think is probably the most obvious from an NBA standpoint is Mike Budenholzer, like, just was playing his guys on like a normal rotation the first year the Bucks were very good in the playoffs and then they lose in the playoffs, right? And it took him another year to really realize like, yo, you got to play Giannis 40 minutes a game, man. Like you have to. And he finally was able to do that and they won the title. And now granted, other, other things have to happen, but like, you know, remember we watched the Bucks and we're literally talking to each other on this podcast. Like how is Giannis playing 31 minutes in a game that they lose by three? Yeah, I'm looking up, you know, that. The other one who always had the Achilles heel, I was looking up if Tom Thibodeau overplays his guys. That was always the rap on him. I mean, he and does. Looking up, it, uh, it's, yeah, it still seems pretty similar. Derek Rose and his 
Prime was playing about 37 minutes a game. Jalen Brunson, Andrew Wiggins like led the league in minutes per game with the Timberwolves. Carl Towns played a ton. I mean, who's playing the most minutes on the Knicks now? I'm sure. Yeah, it's, it's about the same. Brunson 36, OG about 36. It's probably a yeah, little just, high, but not egregious, I guess. So you're you're back on the Fibs bandwagon. We don't really talk as much about the Knicks as we probably should, but I don't really think. Like, well, I think is, there's a pretty clear gulf in between the Knicks and the Cavs, to be honest. Really? They beat them last year, though. Yeah, they did. So you're saying the Cavs are much better than I think the Cavs? I don't know. The Cavs are much better. I think the Knicks are good. I just think the Cavs are better. It's probably. I think we said there's a pretty clear gulf. Yeah, I think my reasoning for saying that is that I think Jalen Brunson is very good. Mm -hmm. I don't think Jalen Brunson is as good as Donovan Mitchell, and I don't think that the like the addition of OG and like. Julius Randle still being there. Like, I just don't like, I think Jared Allen is better. I think Darius Garland is better as a supporting player. I think Evan Mobley is getting a lot better. I just don't see that sort of upside. Max Struess game winning. Max Struess. Yeah. Max Struess, by the way, fourth quarter last night or fourth quarter on what is it? Tuesday night, five for five from three, 15 points makes a 59 footer at the buzzer to win by two against uh, Dallas, your Dallas Mavericks. (laughs) Uh, so. Yeah, I, I think they're both good. And I think, honestly, they both might be better than Milwaukee. I don't, I, you know? So you think that. I don't think that. Truly, I don't think that. I mean, it's possible. Did, did you see there's a quote, like, not to rip on these quotes, but there's a quote from Damian Lillard saying, he's not, personally, he's like, I just really kind of miserable in Milwaukee. I don't, I don't do anything. I just sit at home, watch. He said, watch boxing videos online. Like, he doesn't have. Dude, you know? I, I can't. Like, you kind of did this yourself. Isn't man. this Dame's personality, though, that he, in basketball season, that's all he does? He just works out in silence. But he's also getting divorced, right? Oh, is he really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I think he got divorced. You hate to see that, for sure. If you're a divorced man on the rebound, NBA star, ready to hit up some ladies, Milwaukee's not the number one place to go, is it? No wonder you want to go to Miami. I mean, I do think he did it to himself. I wonder if that's why he cared so much about All Star Weekend. It's like he just needed something, right? He just yeah. like had he just like had to have it. But he's playing better. Milwaukee's won three in a row. Like I, Milwaukee's pretty good, man. I I know that like you're you're excited for Doc to flame out, and I no, do I'm not because I, like, I do I think they're like clearly worse, clearly worse than Boston. At the beginning of the year, we we're like, man, Milwaukee and Boston's going to be really fun. Like we think they're going to play in the Eastern Conference Finals, and that's true. I still think they probably will meet in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think Boston clearly better than Milwaukee, like five game series at this point in time, unless we see something very different from Milwaukee. What do you think it means for Damian Lillard's legacy if, obviously it's a good thing, but like, let's say he doesn't play well in the playoffs. Let's say he shoots under 40%, but they win the title anyway. Like, does he still get full credit? Yeah, Yeah. I guess. He got a gold medal for Team USA. Yeah, that's true. He played awful, so... I don't think, you know, I do, it's it's really weird when we talk about like legacies because again, like I've, you know, I think Harden is very clearly a top 20 player of all time. I think he's probably going to end up as one of the most underrated players to ever play because it's, you know, maybe he gets a title this year, but I, you know, I think it's unlikely. But like nobody. Because he's on the team. Is that why it's unlikely? <laughs> yeah, possibly. It's possible. You know, he's played great this year, but yeah, I, I mean, he could in the playoffs be like, I'm not passing the ball anymore. Like I could see that happening. So that's, isn't that a kind of his fault? It is his fault. I'm not saying it's not his fault, but what my, my point in all of this is to say that like Dame's legacy is like pretty much on, you know, it, I don't think a title really changes his legacy all that much. 
is, is what I was going to say. Like, Dame is but who, who do you, is. Do you think, like, Lillard winning a title will be ranked higher all-time than Harden? That's an interesting conversation. I don't think so, but it could be. You know, some people yeah. really do value, and, and players, I think, really do value the ability of stars to win titles, right? Okay. And so, you know, I think it's possible. We talked, who are we talking about this? We were talking about this with, like, Chris Jones, I think, where, you know, his his counting stats as a DT are not good enough to make the Hall of Fame, but he's got three titles. He's clearly been the best defensive player on the Chiefs. Like, he's probably a no doubt about a Hall of Famer, even though there's players that have been better than him over a longer period of time. It's, like, it is hard, though, when you're, like, talking about the NBA. If you're, if you're not the number one option, how much credit do you get for a dude, title? And that's my point, is, like, Dane may be the reason they win the title, but if they lose, it's probably not going to be his fault either, right? You, like, know, you know, it's funny. I was listening to a quote from the NFL, another cross person, McCole Hardman. Do you remember him? He was he's on the Chiefs still. What do you mean? He, do I remember him? He just I know he's still a winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. Right. So he's like a little speedster. He was on the Chiefs. He signs a big deal to go to the Jets because they needed a receiver. They cut him. He goes back. And they cut, they, yeah, he cut, goes back to the Chiefs. He was complaining about the Jets being because they were like you know the Aaron Rodgers show and they're kind of bossing him around and telling him what to do. And he's like, guys, like I'm a champion. I've won two Super Bowls. I, you know, I've been to four Super Bowls. It's like. I don't know. Have you? <laughs> I mean, I know he just won the title again. I mean, he did. But like, have... how much credit does he get for that? And he didn't even play. You know, he didn't play last year because he like almost died. He had like a groin injury and like, he, you know, he got infected. Like, so he didn't even play in the playoffs last year or play in the Super Bowl. Yes. Yeah, like what makes a champion? Like how much they do that ring share stat, you know, where I think they split up how many, how much credit you get for actually winning the title. How I think much that's credit, interesting. So if. How much credit does Patrick Mahomes get, and how much credit does McCole Hardman get on this past year's title? Do you think? Yeah, I would say Mahomes thirty percent credit, and Hardman McCole Hardman one percent, two percent, three percent. Like that's my point. Like he, you know, you just asked me if I knew who he was. Like he didn't just catch the winning touchdown in the Super Bowl, which you go down in history for that, right? But I mean, I do think there is something to be said for being part of a winning culture. And but I don't know how much it means in the NBA because so much of being part of like a winning culture is just having the best player. And then also the thing I don't like about the rings culture too is like seemingly means more to win one title than it does to make five NBA finals. You know, it's almost like making the finals is just like meaningless. That's that's why the LeBron thing is insane because like, and I'm not arguing that LeBron is better than Jordan or worse than Jordan, but like in the Eastern Conference, LeBron was in the finals every year basically like he made the nba finals like what nine straight years or something or yeah i don't know i don't think it was nine straight but you know he made the conference finals nine straight years like maybe it was nine straight years no i want to look up hall of fame probability like see which of these guys really needs it because lillard's gonna make it either way hardens is a hundred percent i looked it up yesterday for some reason i don't know why i just was i wanted to like send it to you and like troll you that it was a hundred percent but like Harden, Westbrook, and Lillard, I'm quite sure, all 100%. Maybe Lillard's like 98%. Yeah, let's see see who the borderline guys are, though, because people were talking about, you know, Blake Griffin, DeMar DeRozan. I saw that recently. Okay, so Lillard is 98.7%. Yeah, the guys who are currently listed. Russell Westbrook, 99.93%. Uh, tell me if you disagree. Who the first guy you think is actually borderline? These are active players. LeBron, 100%. Durant, 100%. Paul, 100%. Curry, 100%. Harden, 99.999. Westbrook, 99.9. The, the and, first one, I think, is is Lowry. Lowry's 85.7. Well, let's just make sure in case people are counting at home. Anthony Davis, 99.6. That's higher than I would think. Paul George Giannis, being 98% is quite high, I think. 
Yeah, Giannis, 98.8. Lillard, 98.8. George, 97.8. Jokic, 96. I think he could retire. Jokic is 100. If Jokic, never played another game of, if Jokic never played another basketball game after this year, he would make the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think you're right, because Kyrie at 93 and Lowry at 86 is very ring-dependent, I think, right? I'm actually quite they, surprised that Kawhi Leonard is lower than Kyrie. I mean, he has multiple yeah. finals MVPs. I understand. I mean, I think Kyrie, uh, Kawhi Leonard is 100% to make the Hall of Fame. I agree with you. and But like Lowry and Irving take away the titles. I don't think they make it. Maybe like Kyrie. Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, Draymond the Green, good. 77%. That seems low to me. He's almost certainly getting in the Hall of Fame. Love He's, at 73 seems high. Maybe. I don't know. One Jimmy title, Butler, 73. Clay, Clay Thompson, 70%. That's about 30% too low. He is 100% yeah. making the Hall of Fame. Embiid will make it probably right? 66. The, here's the real borderline ones. Blake Griffin, 55. Not getting eight. Blake Griffin is not getting in. Damar, 46. Not getting in. John Wall, 32. Not getting how, in. How is that so high? Um, Rudy Gobert, 26. The next, the, the next question is probably Jason Tatum. because he's Jason 18, Tatum, 80% seems he, very low. He's 18% right now. He's still very young. He has a number of shots to win a title. I bet you Jason Tatum wins a title. He's got a gold medal, right? He's got a I think bunch he'll of make first team NBAs. Way. He's going to make the Hall of Fame, I bet. Yeah. If he just stays on track, he's better than DeMar DeRozan, right? I think. I mean, winning-wise. Al Horford, the, if Boston wins a title this year, he's at 12%. And the guy who's going to be interesting, people have said Derek Rose, because he, he'd be the only MVP not to make it, but he's only I at 10%. Put him, I wouldn't put him in. DeAndre Jordan, 3%. That'll be an interesting boat, I guess. Yeah, because he won a Defensive Player of the Year, right? So, oh, is that why? And Booker, only 2%. I, I think that's low. See, those guys, like Booker and Bradley Beal being that low, like, let's say they do win a title this year, like that probably takes yeah. them to 45 or 50%. And but Booker why is Booker so low? Because Booker's made four all-star teams. Points per game has been around 28. I mean, if he stays on track, isn't he like Mitch Richmond? I mean, why wouldn't he make I mean, the he's all 27 of right now. I don't know what they, how they count. He only has one all-NBA team and that matters. You know, Mitch Richmond had a bunch of all-NBA teams. I think it's too low though. I think he'll make it. Well, what about your guy, Chris Middleton? He's got a title. Again, you, you, no. Bam Adebayo, you know, again, there, there are some guys down here that I think just don't have a chance. Like, like, all right. Auto what, what is Victor's? Uh, obviously, this is like cumulative. So Victor's they, they is, don't, Victor's they don't is project, but like, Victor's is currently zero. But when he wins rookie of the year, yeah. he'll be on. He'll be on. But what do you, will you project looking ahead? Cause they don't project ahead. What would, you I don't think I would ever project somebody to be more than like 5%. What you think Victor only has a five percent chance of making the Hall of Fame? What if he what if he breaks his foot and never plays? Yeah, that's a chance, but you think that's a ninety five percent chance? No, I don't think I it's mean, a ninety five percent chance. But also, like, what's Luca? By the way, Luca has to be really high too. He he would almost make it now. I would. I think Luca's like pretty close. He's not on the list. Why is that? He has a zero percent chance. That's not possible. <laughs> they must have just forgot him. Um, but yeah, I think Luca. Luca. Luca was Euroleague MVP too. What is going on here? He. There's That's gotta just be a like mistake. a there's gotta be a problem with the algorithm. Yeah, they don't even have a Hall of Fame projection for him for some reason. Yeah. Uh, I, I noticed that too. I was looking up DeAndre Ayton's stats once and they, they didn't really have him on some lists either. It was kind of annoying. For a site that's considered like the gospel. So maybe 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 he just hasn't played enough years yet. Maybe they oh, just wait until you've played, you know. But I'll I'll give you a better answer than your five percent for Victor. I think Victor's chance of making the Hall of Fame is fifty percent. I would not take a coin flip on him making the Hall of Fame. 
And I like to consider myself as an advantage gambler. Bovada also thinks that I like to consider myself that since I like to lose money, but I, I would not take a coin flip on him making ball pen. That's I think that's really, I, mean, that's I think that's really aggressive. But I think it's a lot higher than 5%. It's just like, you have no idea though. Like I do. Okay. So if I'd said 20%, would that have been okay? For yeah, you? that's yeah. That'd have been okay. Like one in five simulations. Where's Dr. Strange to like, look at the simulations and <laughs> let us know how many times it happens. Right. All right. That's yeah, all well, I got. And by the way, like Dr. Strange, do you think he's a con man? If he's like, oh, I looked into a 14 million simulation. Maybe he's just making it up. And only one. They <laughs> Who's defeat? checking this math? You know? <laughs> like, so, all right, hold on. Avengers, right? So Endgame, this yeah. is the scene we're referencing where he's like looking into the future for how they fight. Uh, what's the guy's Thanos. name? Thanos. Thanos. Yeah. And he's like, I looked into all these. We don't win often. And da- Robert Downey Jr. Like looks him dead in the eye and he's like, how many strange? And he just says <laughs> one. Exactly yeah, one right. out like, of one, 14 million or something. Like, you right? know what they needed? The person to actually say something about that needed to be like the little kid Spider-Man, whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Tom Holland. Yeah, Tom Holland. Like, if he just comes in like goofy and he's like, really? One? That's it? Like, that would have been a real... But they had to build it up as this like super tough moment where right. they're like, oh, man. Be, like, statistically, it would have still been significant if you're like, actually, yeah. there's like a seven of them, but... You know. Yeah, that's, that's, it was weird that they picked one, right? Like eight. No, it wasn't weird. weird. You have to do that for a movie. No, but you're right. You're right. It would <laughs> Would it would it have taken away from the moment if it was like, like you said, seventeen out of fourteen million? That's still like point zero 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 one percent. That's funny. <laughs> All right, that's fine. We'll get we'll we'll see if we can tap Doctor Strange for Victor's Hall of Fame probability. But uh, that's it for us this week. Uh, you can find him on Twitter and Red or I'm sorry X and Reddit at Zan underscore Ellison. Um, you can email the show Xander Ellison at d- gmail.com. and uh, we'll be back next week. As always, Zan, it's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your host, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news. 